Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I am fired up for this episode. We have an exciting uh, guest with us today. Uh, someone I go back uh, personally with a very long way and for you, the audience is going to have a depth of insight and knowledge that very few other players are going to be able to share. And so with that introduction, let's welcome Tyler Beatty, pitcher for the San Francisco Giants to the podcast. Tyler, welcome. Eric, thanks so much for having me on. I'm excited to uh, talk about the draft, my baseball experiences, and anything else I can bring to the table. I appreciate you guys having me on. Absolutely. Well, the reason I'm so excited is, you know, there are probably a lot of people that are familiar with your background, but uh, for the listeners who aren't, you know, why I'm so excited is you are one of the only players that's actually been a first round draft pick two separate times. And so, you know, I really want to start with that of going back to you and your dad and your family and your guys' draft, uh, you know, experience coming out of high school. So we're talking summer of 2010, headed into the 2011 draft season, where you eventually end up being the 21st pick overall with the Toronto Blue Jays. Where I want to start in your journey, though, is actually kind of where we met back in the day is Team USA. So many of these players listening to this podcast have traveled this uh, kind of, you know, uh, path that you're on. But for you, it wasn't always a guarantee that, hey, I'm going to be a first round draft pick. You were a little bit of an underdog. Can you just share with me a little bit of your journey between that junior and senior year of high school? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think for me, it was growing up as a athlete, as a baseball player from Massachusetts. It was about how can I expose myself to the talent around the country of guys from Georgia, Florida, the South, out West and California. Kids who could play all year round, kids who were probably more talented than I was at that time, and just see how I compared to those guys. So, yeah, you know, I found myself, you know, every summer, you know, after high school baseball finished for me, I'd pack up a suitcase and just start traveling with my dad. We'd go to Georgia and so on and find ourselves in Cary, North Carolina at, you know, Tournament of Stars. And, you know, for me, that was my, my, you know, one of the first experiences and exposures I had to playing with kids with tremendous amount of talent and ability. And seeing that, hey, I could have some success, but I wasn't where I needed to be. So, um, you know, it was time to get back to work and evaluate where I was at, um, work on the things that I know I needed to work on, develop some strength, add some velocity, um, command another off-speed pitch, things of that nature that, you know, I had aspirations and the ability at the time to go play college ball. But after that uh, off-season of working out, um, and getting myself in better positions and um, improving on my weaknesses, I found myself not only, you know, with the chance to be able to go to a, a, the school I dreamed of going to with Vanderbilt or even getting drafted. So there were a lot of things that I learned through those, you know, high school showcase experiences, and, and that was one of them, just improving on the things that I needed to improve on. Yeah, that's great. And can you – elaborate a little bit I think what would be helpful for this audience is so many players you go through the summer circuit you go through the perfect game all-american game which you were a part of you get to do a lot of these great experiences and you start to see the draft rankings and the boards and you know it can become very emotional of people are projecting you certain places but really what I heard from you in that little tidbit was you really 
propelled yourself by the work that you did in the offseason. And can you talk about um, just what that process was, where you worked out? It, it's funny because I really want you to expand on who helped you from a physical standpoint, because today is probably one of the biggest names in, in baseball. But uh, back in 2010 and 11, it was a, he was an obscure strength and conditioning coach in, in Hudson, Mass. So walk us through that that process and the mentality of what it took as a senior in high school, maybe the sacrifices you had to make from a social standpoint uh, to get where you ultimately ended up in the first round of the draft. Yeah, absolutely. I was very fortunate to have Eric Cressy in my backyard in Massachusetts. And so for me to be able to utilize that resource at the age of honestly, 14, 15 years old was huge for my development. And he continues to be a huge uh, you know, resource that I use and a guy that continues to improve my career and keep me healthy. So um, you know, when it was, uh, I was going into my junior year of high school, I made the decision to transfer from Auburn, Massachusetts, Auburn High School to Lawrence Academy, which is a prep school that um, uh, forced me to live on campus and live there. So um, at that point, I needed to find ways to commute to Cressy's. So me and a, a teammate decided to, you know, finish up class and, uh, and just commute and work out there and train there. Uh, as much as we could and, um, you know, get back for, for study hours and um, time to get back into the um, to the room for uh, to get a good night's rest. And so, yeah, for me to be able to utilize Cressy's in that time in my career was huge just because I was a, a string bean, man. I was 165, 180 pounds. And then going into my senior year, I bulked up and, and got over 205 pounds and, you know, was, was able to put myself in a position to get drafted high. Um, but, yeah, I think a lot of it was a credit to – the availability of Eric Cressy and being able to train there. Hey, Tyler, just real quick, I have a question because it seems like so much of your focus, you know, you mentioned this just a couple of times, it seems like the focus was for the draft. And so thinking through the mindset of kids that are, you know, going through this process, not really knowing if they're going to go high enough in the draft to make it worth signing or, or go to, you know, a Vanderbilt or, or somewhere like that. You know, what was your mentality to help you stay focused during that time? Was it, I want to get drafted in the first round, or is it, I just want to become a better baseball player? I want to get to Vanderbilt. Just elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah, I just had um, a deep passion, and as I still do, to just be the best that I can be. You know, I think I've always tried to understand that Tyler Beatty can't be um, Corey Kluber. He can't be Max Scherzer. Um, can't be Jake Arrieta. He needs to be Tyler Beatty. And so when I was – you know, when I was just watching tape, when I was uh, understanding, you know, A, what I was really good at at the time, but B, the things that I needed to work on, it was, okay, what in my capabilities, what in my resources can I utilize to improve? And so it wasn't ever with the desire to be a first round pick. You know, I've always had a dream of being drafted and being able to play at the highest level. So knowing that that could be an end product of my work ethic and my habits was a driving factor, you know, but I never wanted to allow the outcome to be something that uh, stole, um, you know, my ability to stay in the present moment and just be 1% better every day, things of that nature that kept me focused. No, that's fantastic. You know, it's so funny, the mindset, you know, you see excellence mindsets everywhere you look, you can read all the books and it's that focus on, how can I get better every single day? And, you know, I love that 1% mentality. So that's, that's, that's fantastic. 
Tyler, walk us through. So you you put yourself in a position from a, from a physical standpoint and a performance on the field. For a lot of these players listening and parents, they're in this situation where general managers, scouting directors, cross-checkers, uh, agents, all these people are, are filling up into your living room. And, and I'd love to hear you focus in on definitely, you know, maybe it's four weeks out from the draft, two weeks from the draft. What's it like for a high school player to have to handle, you know, all of those type of meetings? And what advice would you give specifically to the to the 17, 18 year old uh, player that's listening? Yeah, so there's there's so many things that will go on during the high school experience, especially if you're going to be getting drafted high. Um, even if you're going to be drafted in later rounds, there will be scouts at every game. There will be things that are going to try to steal your attention and take you out of your um, your 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 comfort zone, essentially, and put you in positions where you feel like you have to, you know, please other people and you start to have high expectations from other people. I would say to create a strong inner circle and trust those people to obviously support you, to encourage you. Um, to be there for you, to pray for you, to kick you in the ass if you need to be kicked in the ass. Whatever it is, those people who are in your inner circle are going to love you and support you unconditionally. So you need to figure out if those are you know, a certain friend group that you're hanging out with. Um, obviously, your parents. Is it a guy who's trained you like Eric Cressy? Is it a pitching coach that you've always relied on? Those people need to know that that you trust them, that they're there for you for to support you, like I said. And so I would say just making sure that you create a strong inner circle of people who you can rely on to keep you grounded because it's a, an experience that will fill your head. It, it'll give you the opportunity to think that you are, you know, on top of the world, which obviously is an experience unlike other, any other. And it's not to uh, steal the jo- steal the joy from the moment to be drafted, but also you don't want to let it get to your head. You know that it's just if you do get drafted, that it's just the start of your career and you have so much more work to do in order to, you know, uh, reach the highest level of baseball. So just staying grounded and trusting your inner circle best that you can. That's a lot of wisdom right there. Fast forward to draft night. This is something I actually uh, was able to be a part of, uh, which is, which is so much fun to think back on, right? We're at Eric Cressy's house. It's draft night. The Blue Jays pluck you off the board. It's all of this excitement, your first round pick. Um, and then to kind of, you know, spoil alert, in case people don't know your background, you end up at <laughs> Vanderbilt. So um, just just walk through that process and, and not, you know, anything specific uh, that you don't want to share, right? This isn't even about was right. it not enough money, was it enough money and, and medicals and all those things, but I would say this was your first introduction to truly the business of baseball. Can you just talk through that experience and maybe what are some of the potholes that you would um, give wisdom to the parents and to the players as they go through the actual draft day and and the days? Yeah, I mean, I'll just say it was um, one of the best days of my life. It was truly incredible to be able to have so many of these people who, like I said, the inner circle of people in my life, be able to be there and just, just experience that moment with me was uh, truly humbling. It, it's a moment I'll always look back on and be happy that I got to experience with people like you, Eric, um, my, my parents, obviously, and just a bunch of my friends, high school teammates. And so 
It was incredible, but I think from that that day forward, it like you said, it was just an eye opening experience to what the business of baseball is all about. And it's it, it is um, you you get tested, you um, you know really have to become more um, conscious of the people you surround yourself with and uh, the things that you're saying and the things that you believe in, and you're ultimately going to get tested on is this something that you really are prepared for or are you not prepared for? And so for me, just being able to understand that education is important to me. It always has been important to me. Um, and learning throughout that draft process that, you know, there were going to be signs that'll, that'll point you in a certain direction that say, Hey, you know, maybe this is for you or maybe this isn't for you. Um, and it's not to say that the college route is always the best route, or that the high school route is always the best route, but you need to determine what that process is for you and stick to it throughout um, your, your draft experience, which I think for me in high school was obviously a lot different than in college, um, but was incredible and eye-opening and, um, and just all the above, I would say. That's uh, it's, it's so funny because really kind of the purpose of this podcast is to, is to really just disseminate as much good information as we can uh, to the to the kids that are about to go through this for the first time. And, and one of the, the primary goals for us is to help them remove the emotion from making this decision because I can't imagine how much stress you were under having to go through the fact that you're turning down a first-round opportunity. Um, and that's that's just a testament to me to the kind of character that you have and, and, and the resilience and the information that you've been given. But how hard was that decision? You know, because I think so many guys are going to get wrapped up, and I've already heard it from a few kids this year's draft already. It's, you know, well, I, I have to sign because this, you know, this is my best opportunity. So walk us through that mentality of having the the ability to say no. What what pulled you into that? Yeah, process? there's so there's so much that you know I can obviously open up about that topic, and I think for me, just understanding and for kids to understand that you know you may feel very convicted um, in one way or the other. But until you're in the middle of the process and you're weighing the pros and cons of each, you're really you really have to reevaluate it at that point. You know, for me going into the draft, I felt like I was, you know, kind of all the cliches. I felt like I was polished, mentally prepared and ready for pro baseball at that point in my life. I was 17. Um, I felt like I had, you know, good command and the ability to throw through pitches and um, I felt ready. Um, and then I got into the draft process and things were just brought on my radar that just not not they didn't tell me that I wasn't ready, but I just felt like at that point I needed education. I needed Vanderbilt. I needed the SEC. I needed Tim Corbin. I needed to develop in college more at that point in my life than I did to be immersed in pro baseball and what that was going to do for a 17 year old kid at that time. And so, you know, you're going to learn different things throughout the process. Um you're going to hear different things. People are going to try to sway you one way or the other, but you need to, like I said, have that inner circle of people who you trust and can rely on to bounce things off of because you can't hold things down. You can't try to internalize the process because it'll eat you alive. It really is difficult for a 17 year old kid to go through. Um, it's incredibly exciting. Um, but don't try to, don't be blindsided by a dollar amount as much as it is, what is the best place for you to develop, to learn, to grow, and to be a kid for, you know, the foreseeable future. And for me at that time, it was Nashville. 
it was Tim Corbin. It was that Vanderbilt baseball program and, and furthering my education and trying to get my degree. That's, that's so helpful. And I think it's right. It's this unique perspective that you're sitting on the fact that, I mean, you're a current big leaguer. You, you, you made 30 plus starts last year in San Francisco. And um, I, I think it's so fun to hear you reflect back on seeing yourself as a 17 year old kid and, and going, wow, I, you actually know what it takes to be successful in the big leagues, right? So I just think it's so much value for the families listening to this podcast of you're not, this isn't a hypothetical, can I look through a crystal ball? This is you reflecting back, sitting from a major league, you know, clubhouse right now saying like, hey, these were all the necessary steps to, to get me where I'm at. And so transitioning to Vanderbilt, you obviously go there with huge expectations. You're the only player who doesn't sign in the first round of 2011. Vanderbilt is essentially on the map because of Tim Corbin. Um, it's a huge draft clash. You come in, huge expectations of your freshman year. Um, and I remember talking to you just also the academic pressure of that. What was it like? It was up? It was difficult. You know, I'll be honest. It was um, one of the most difficult years of my life. And I think I was overwhelmed. You know, I went into college with a big ego. Um, you know, I thought, man, I'm a first round pick. A, I want to prove to these guys that I'm capable of being a first rounder. And I want to go out there and be someone that the team can rely on as a freshman. And like you said, academics started to weigh on me. You know, I'd wake up at 8 a.m., have class um, up until about 2 o'clock, go to the field, practice for you know, three to four hours and then have study hall. And, you know, that first year, the first fall was taxing. It woke me up, it kicked me in the gut. And it, you know, obviously put me in my place to say, hey, look, you have a lot of room to improve. Um, just because you were drafted in the first round doesn't mean that you can wake up and just have things go the way that you want them to go. You're going to experience failure. You're going to experience adversity. You're going to be humbled. And you need to be able to be a good teammate. You need to be able to get kicked down on the ground and be able to try to get back up and, and like I said, learn and grow and try to improve every single day. And my freshman year was just the epitome of, you know, one step forward, two steps back, one step forward, two steps back. I just felt like I was putting myself in a hole because, um, you know, I wasn't, I didn't have the right perspective of, uh, Hey, this is going to be difficult. This is the sec. You know, you're not going to walk right onto campus pitch on the weekend and have success right away. It's going to take uh, a lot of learning and a lot of growing uh, and a lot more focus. So you, you transition out of that freshman year, like you said, it was uh, obviously you had a meaningful impact as far as innings and exposure to the team. You roll into your sophomore year and you absolutely dominate sub three ERA, you know, invite to Team USA, and all of a sudden the draft chatter starts between your sophomore and junior year, right? Coming off USA, it's Tyler Beattie, locked top 10 overall pick. Could he potentially be the 1-1? One, one? Uh, I remember during this process is when you're making the agent choice, so you've got, you've got that whole process swirling and going on. Can you, can you talk to a lot of our juniors in college listening to this podcast or parents that, you know, there might be this projection of who you're supposed to be the upcoming June, like talk through maybe the ways uh, you didn't handle it great. 
what you would recommend differently to someone in your position and just kind of that overall process. Once again, probably being 20, 21 years old, knowing, hey, I've got to live up to all this hype or maybe that's the wrong mentality. Yeah, I I think that was probably a year where, you know, my identity was wrapped up in baseball more than any year, any year prior. I was so tied to the outcome. I, you know, I obviously turned down first round pick out of high school. And so coming up, seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, my junior year, like you said, being potentially projected to go top five, top 10, I saw the light at the end of the tunnel. I just wanted to get there so bad because, you know, the high school experience was incredible, but I knew that throughout college, there was this weight that was kind of just continuing to build upon my back. And I, I knew that the draft was probably going to be the experience where I, I kind of removed that weight and was able to to take a, a deep breath and exhale and, and sort of enjoy being in pro ball after that. So that year, I think the things that I did poorly were, were just focusing too much of my attention on the draft as opposed to being immersed in the moment, being able to enjoy that junior season with my teammates. Now, it's not to say that I didn't uh, enjoy, you know, games. We obviously went on to win the College World Series. We went to Omaha. Um, we had an incredible team, and I loved all of those moments. But I was I was too focused on how I did. You know, it dictated my attitude. If I had a good game, I was the guy you wanted to be around. If I had a bad game, you know, I was I either put myself in isolation or I was a bad guy to be around. So, um, you know, I would say uh, that was probably the way that I handled it poorly. And, and looking back, would rather have put myself in um, a more immersed environment to enjoy time with my teammates and and not be so tied to the outcome. And you know, I just I really wanted to um, to to win. You know, I just wanted to to be able to look back at my college career and say, hey. That's the reason I went to college right there was to win a national championship. And fortunate enough, we were to do that. And so, you know, we had, you know, incredible staff. We had incredible players and we we got hot at the end and ended up winning. And so, um, yeah, it was it was an incredible way to, to end my college career there at Vanderbilt. And and looking back, there's so many incredible men- memories, but there's certainly a lot of things that I would go back and change. You know, it's it's, it's just crazy to me to think of the the pressure that you must have been under internally to think you know I was a first rounder I have to prove to myself that I can continue down that path and, and be a first round pick again and then like you said the the draft chatter comes out and they're talking about you being one one and all that you know it's it's, it's funny because you see the excellence the, the guys that truly do make it stick around are the ones who kind of figure out how to how to handle that pressure right uh, how to handle that pressure from a day-to-day basis. And I think so many of the kids right now are, are seeing all these new rankings. I think Baseball America's new draft ranking came out today. And I'm sure all the kids are looking at that at that draft ranking. And, you know, all three of us obviously play professionally, and we, we saw our stats, we saw our rankings, we saw where we are on the prospect list and all that. How important do you think it is for the guys to really tune all yeah, that up? I, I think out? it's it has its place, but I would say that, for the most part, it's going to take your attention and focus off of what's really important. And that's your ability to be the best that you can be, because you're going to look at the rankings and say, you know, obviously 99% of the people are going to say, I'm not that guy at the top. And you're going to start to compare yourself to others on that list and start to become someone that you're not. And so, you know, my, my thing about it was I looked at it as motivation because I was a kid from Massachusetts and um, I was, I was an underdog and people didn't want to, 
you know, put me high up on a ranking because I wasn't always playing against the top talent in high school. And yeah, you can use it as motivation. And I think like anything that you're going to go through in baseball, there's so much failure and negativity. And if you can have the ability to turn that negativity into, um, you know, motivation and have it inspire you and um, give you the desire to improve, then then all the best to you. And that's how you should use it. So um, there'll be a lot of things that try to take your attention off of what's most important. And I think that's one of them. Um, but don't let a ranking determine your value or determine um, your growth, because only, you know, you know, the, the strides that you're making, the improvements that you're making. And once it comes time for you to put that on display, um, you go on and do it and you compete and you don't look back. And so I think just understanding who you are, what you need to improve on is, is an individual um, way to go about it. And the rankings can only, you know, kind of take your focus off of that. Kind of turning uh, past a little bit and it, it definitely still feeds in. One thing that I'm just sitting here listening, it, you're obviously talking from a major league uh, pitcher's standpoint and a lot of maturity. Uh, you're, th- this is a decade since you um, went through this process as a high school kid. For a lot of these families, they're relying, like you said, on these uh, these advisors or agents around them. And uh, this is not something where, you know, I want you to say whether agents are good or bad. I just I would love to hear the advice you would give the player sitting, you know, from this major league standpoint, recognizing, you know what, like it's really my performance and the ownership of how I've handled myself, whether or not I'm a big leaguer or not necessarily my agent. Can you talk about like what you rely on your agent for and how, and this might sound like a weird question, but what, how are you a good client to the agent? How do you have a good relationship? Um, and maybe what are some of the pitfalls that you see in player agent relationships without you? Yeah, them? absolutely. I think it's always a tricky, a tricky road to navigate is finding the right person to, to represent you and your, in your career. Um, you want to find someone who, you know, uh, sincerely cares about your career and, doing all that they can to put you in the best position to succeed. And like you said, it, it is up to you, your performances, the way you go about your business that ultimately will determine how you move up in your career and go to the next level. But an agent is there to try to alleviate the things that you can't control and try to help you out on that front. So, you know, they obviously have tight relationships. They've been in the game for a long time. They know how to talk to um, front office people. And when I when I was going through the draft process my first year in high school, obviously, like I said, I learned about the business side of the game. And as you go going through your career, the business side of the game is, is really what you just want to allow your agent to handle. Um, and uh, like I've been saying, your focus needs to be on that one, that your one job of whether it's being a pitcher, being a hitter, whatever it is, you need to focus on doing that job the best you can and allow your agent to handle things that you can't control on the business front. And you'll be passionate about, some people will be passionate about trying to handle things on their own or trying to uh, understand things that go on within the business of the game. There's just too much that's outside of your control that will draw your attention away from what's most important. And for me, it's always relying upon my agent to handle those things for me, to filter that information to me in a way that's healthy and not going to put me in a bad place or get me too high and mighty. Um, so trusting an agent to provide the right information and filter it in a way that's going to be beneficial for you is always what I recommend to people. Great, great answer. 
another, you know, sticking on this topic of people who surround you, I would love for you to share uh, with the parents listening to this podcast, you know, what is it important for, for a player um, in just this, you know, the whole family's going through this draft process and going through your career. But I just, I think it's such a unique opportunity for parents to listen to the advice of a current major league player of like, how do you keep a healthy relationship as a family through all of this stress and intensity? What advice yeah, would you give? Yeah, you know, I would always tell, this process? I would always be open about um, the process with my dad. You know, my mom was, was mostly just there for support to tell me she loved me um, and to, to do her best just to be there for me when I, when I needed her throughout the process. She was just always super excited, super nervous. And so I tried my best to just calm her down and let her know that everything was going to be fine throughout the process, um, to trust in the people who were representing me at the time and to trust that things would work out the way they needed to. And then with my dad, who is just very much uh, involved with everything throughout my career, he sacrificed so much for me to be where I was in those places and continues to sacrifice things for me today to be in the big leagues and be the best that I can be. So with him, it was always communicating like, boundaries you know like he wanted to be so involved in the process that um you know he may have stressed himself out which in turn stressed me out um but he did it in a, in a healthy way that made us both learn so much through the experience of how to go about it in a better way so always you know what i tell parents is respect that this is a process for your child for your son this is for them to enjoy and for you to enjoy because you've obviously sacrificed so much for them to get there but don't get in the way of what's most important. And that's just letting, you know, your son truly experience the process um, and to just understand that it's going to come true for that person, that for your son. So uh, it's uh, it's an incredible moment. And I think that the more that a parent can just um, can just be there alongside, walk alongside the son in the process, the better that the experience will be for everybody. such a uh it's such an important perspective that you just gave because that's one of the things that we try to uh hit on the most as as we you know dig into relationships with our clients and and it's that mindset that you know let let us handle the business side let the agent handle the business side so you can go back to just being a dad or a mom and and, and just enjoy uh, enjoy the ride right enjoy the, enjoy watching you propel yourself to the minor leagues to to, to make that major league debut and, and just be there to support. So that's, I think that's such an interesting perspective coming straight from Absolutely. the current major leaguers, you know, mindset. So. And Tyler, you know, I definitely want to be uh, respectful of your time. This has been uh, a lot of fun conversation and, and I know uh, future podcasts uh, for so many other things we haven't even had a chance to get into all the great things you're doing off the field with more than me and just your approach of uh, being so generous with, with your time. Um, but where I would love to end is for some reason, you know, one of these draft kids is doing a pre-draft workout up at, uh, mm -hmm. at Oracle up in San Francisco and they're, they're standing down the line and, and you get to grab five or 10 minutes with them. What's the advice if you knew you were only going to see this kid for that maybe five to 10 minutes that you would give them? And it doesn't have to be around the draft. Maybe it just might be life advice and around uh, moving into professional baseball. 
What's the yeah, that's incredible because, you know, I feel like you would want um, having those opportunities is, uh, is few and far between of just being able to influence a young kid in the game today. And um, I think just allowing people, kids who are coming up in the game to understand how um, necessary, uh, you know, failure is to the game and, and understanding how to handle that failure. Um, it's difficult for me to think about talking to a kid about failure who's just getting into the the process of coming into professional baseball or college because that, uh, you know, a lot of kids at that age haven't experienced failure to a certain extent. They've kind of had a, a, you know, sort of easy. They've been the best kid in their high school class, whatever it may be. And so just under understanding how necessary it is for success and it'll allow you to be um, more relentless. And I think that uh, the ability for you to persevere through, certain things in your career are going to allow you to have success and, and allow you to come out of the game, no matter where you end up, whether you get to play 10 years in the big leagues or you get a day in the big leagues or you fall short for you to look back on your career, to know that you gave everything that you had, that you treated every opportunity as an opportunity to learn and to grow as opposed to a test that you needed to pass. I think you'll look back and say that your baseball career was successful. You know, you, you had the ability to do something that you loved for the period of time that you were blessed enough to do it and you grew, you became a person or became closer to the person that you want to become. And now you can go out and influence the next generation of people to go on and do something that they love as well and do it at the level that you did it um, or whatever it may be, I think will define, you know, your career as being a success. That that's absolute gold. And uh, on behalf of Travis and myself, uh, we just want to say thank you, Tyler. I know that uh, you are uh, so generous uh, with your time, and I know that these were heartfelt and genuine words. And I encourage the audience: uh, any if you do happen to be at a pre-draft workout, or you are going to come across Tyler. Uh, I can tell you this uh, for certainty. He would absolutely want you to to say hi. Make sure that uh, you let him know you listen to this podcast. And um, yeah, he's thank you guys so much. And you know, to your point, so, if you guys Tyler, ever feel thank you whoever's so much listening, for, whoever's for being in on the podcast, certain position, whether you're a parent or a player, you feel the need to reach out to me, whether it's through Eric or through my social media, whatever it may be, I'd be happy to answer any questions that I have or share any knowledge that I have. I don't obviously know all the answers, but I know a few cool people who might know some answers. So um, yeah, thanks for having me on Eric and Travis. I appreciate what you guys are doing for the next generation of MLB players, college players, and uh, let's continue to pass the torch, huh? Absolutely. Well, audience, thank you once again for listening to another episode of the MLB draft podcast and uh, look forward to another great episode with you next week.